Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Kayvon and Friends. Uh, I have a very, very special guest this evening, or I should say this this afternoon, early afternoon, sorry, I usually do these in the evening. Um, Nason, uh, Nason is actually my cousin. Uh, I have known for, for quite a, a while in my life, but unfortunately I only get to see once in a while. Um, Nason, hi, thanks for joining us today. Hi, hi Kayvon. I'm excited to be here. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be talking a little bit about myself and my my journey as an actor and as, in particular uh, my relationship to theater. And Wonderful. sometimes maybe I'll put my theater voice so you make making sure that you understand me. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. So let's start let's start let's start right from the beginning, which is which is a usually a good place to start as they say. The um, so, something like that. Yeah, sure. So no, even if you want to talk about how you were conceived, no. Um, so yeah, so why don't you give us a little bit of a background as to yeah where you were born and raised real quick, and then maybe jump right ahead to when the first, your sort of first uh, impactful or meaningful sort of relationship with, with acting or theater came about. Okay. Um, so yeah, I was born in uh, Switzerland, uh, Lausanne, uh, which is a city on the French side of Switzerland. And... Um, I grew up there and very, very quickly, I always wanted to travel and get out of it, Uh, even though I have fantastic friends and fantastic family there. Mm -hmm. uh, It's always been a little too conservative, a little too small. Um, 100,000 people around, something like that? (laughs) It's like, yeah, it's my city is about 100,000 people. Yeah. And everybody knows each other. And Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just a, like a small small town, but um, but it's beautiful there. I mean, you you have a beautiful lake. You can swim in the. Is summer. that Lake Geneva? It's near Geneva. It's on the Geneva Lake, oh, yeah. um, and you're very close to the to the Alps. Uh, you can go uh, skiing and snowboarding in the winter. So I look yeah, forward to going one very day. Peaceful, um, yeah, it was a p- very peaceful environment. Um, very, I didn't have felt very safe um overall and uh even though i got uh into my first passion which was martial arts at a young age um but yeah and then i would say i didn't know really what i wanted to do with my life uh but i felt i needed to study and have like a a diploma degree and i always wanted to travel and and help uh, people around the world so I thought international relations would be a good uh, opportunity. And so I studied mm-hmm. that in Geneva for about uh, four years. And during this study, I did an exchange program in uh, Montreal. Um, right. And I think that's pretty much when we saw we, we met each other for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came to Vancouver to, to visit you. Um, was, was, that when, was that when my brother was also living in Montreal? No, no, that oh, was that before time? that. Yeah, that oh. was before that. Uh, I went back to Montreal uh, before I started studying uh, acting in New York. Um, mm-hmm. That's when um, that's when I met with with your brother and okay. uh, and I stayed in Montreal for a couple months. But um, but yeah, so during this program, I got involved into uh, with an association uh, which was called uh, Forum on International Cooperation, and it was an organization of um, that wanted to involve youth all around the world to um to improve uh, you know more justice more um you know any like big um 
big social uh, social justice issues, social justice I, I believe, right? Issues and and you know, um, health and all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And so the founder uh, was from Uganda, and so he wanted to do his mm-hmm. first project in Uganda. And during that summer, we all flew. We were about twelve uh, young guys in their twenties, and we flew. We flew to uh, to Kampala in Uganda. And wow. worked uh, there with an organization that helped uh, orphans who lost their parents because of AIDS. So we decided oh. to focus on on the the problem of AIDS in Africa and especially about the the kids and children that lose their parents and family because of that. Um, mm-hmm. And while we we're doing that, uh, some of us was also organizing a big uh, youth conference, and they were shooting The Last King of Scotland, which is a, oh, a great, great film. film. Yeah, and uh, so Forrest I, Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker won an Oscar for it, a fantastic performance. Uh, I didn't get to see him, um, but as I was going to the to this conference, um, I was just going to walk the stairs and, and get into the the building, and a lady was looking at me uh, from across, you know, from across, and <laughs> I just felt like, "Why are you looking at me like that?" And yeah. so I just, I just, you know. We turned the stair and she walked towards me and she said, I'm a casting director. I need white people. <laughs> <laughs> Very simply. Would you be I interested? need people who look white for would this. You be, yeah. Would you be interested in, in being an extra and being in a couple of scenes? And so I say, yeah, for sure. And uh, that was my first experience. And so like a day or two later, mm-hmm. I was on set. Um, the film was shot, the, the story happens in the 60s, 70s. So they dressed me with a really nice uh, 70s suit and uh, they put me on the street and, uh, and there I was, you know, standing there. And I was just, I just started imagining all kinds of stories of who I was and trying to make up like stories with other extras so that we would look natural and have fun. And I just had a blast and I... I, you know, in the evening I told my friends about my experience and I was just so alive, um, much more than I'd ever been in my life, I guess. And so how crazy is that, that you had to go to Uganda to discover your, your passion for acting? <laughs> is that not insane? It is. Well, I, there's always an interest for it, you know, growing yeah. up, uh, it was always there, but somehow I fought it and I, I didn't let it, I was too afraid of what people might think. Um, mm-hmm. As a kid, my sister uh, did theater. I was younger than her, and uh, she was my role model, and I wanted to do everything that yeah. she did. And she, I got the feeling that she was like, you know, it was a small program, all kinds of ages, so I would have been with her in the class. And she was like, mm-hmm. if, you, if, you, if you go and do theater with me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to kill you or something. And so I, <laughs> I, she probably never said that, but that's how, yeah. I, that's how I perceived it. And so I was right. like, oh, she, wanted her own, she wanted her own thing sort of in that yeah. way. Yeah, you know, but that's, you know, as a kid, I think it's mostly me that, that felt that. And so I, 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 I decided, okay, fine, I'll, I'll let you do theater. But um, also growing up, my cousin also was a was a big influence, uh, Marjan, in, in my life, and she's a, a big passionate of cinema, uh, mm-hmm. all the classics from the 30s, 40s, 50s, and um, I would just spend hours watching films with her. 
so I was always kind of drawn towards um, towards cinema, towards um, acting, but uh, but I I I was really a, a little too scared and skittish to to make to make the step. And actually, it took me a couple more years after that uh, experience in Uganda to finally take my first improv class uh, in Switzerland, and that's when I really felt like, yeah, this is it. And mm-hmm. uh, so I started taking as as many classes as I could. Um, I moved to Montreal, a city that I love, and uh, it's a very nice city. Yeah, I try to get into some schools. I remember like preparing some monologues. Uh, I still have them. One of them, uh, the National uh, Theater School of Canada. You had to send like a uh, a video of uh, two monologues. And I did this monologue with a friend of mine, recorded it, and I was like talking to the camera because he thought it was a good idea. And it's just like that intense direct, really to- intense direct. And yeah. then when I'm when I'm talking and saying why I want to be an actor, it's just like you know the pressure and the nervousness that makes you like you you you're rigid and like there's no expression on your face, and you're like, okay, you want to be an actor? Cool. I- we'll see you in a couple of years maybe or whatever but you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta relax a little bit um but then from Montreal I ended up um going to New York and I studied at the Stella Adler st- um, studio of acting in New York for about two years um and that's where I discovered theater uh really for the first time um my parents loved you know opera ballet so I was going to museum but they weren't really theater people um but once i was in new york that's where i started going to broadway shows off broadway shows what was um, the first one you saw um the first one i saw actually was a musical and it was uh, rock of ages oh yeah uh, and it was a lot of fun it's a lot of energy and i was like well this is i just i just could feel the energy and i think that's what is beautiful about theater that you don't necessarily get in uh, with movies is that you're there and um, and an, and famous actors said it, but I don't know how to say it. But there's this kind of like line or this 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 connection that happens between the audience and the performers. And when the performers are just into it and they get into another space and they're just like following their instinct and and everything just flows, mm-hmm. um, you just transported and emotionally. Like I remember one time, actually, um, I was working on a play that's called Spinning into Butter, and it's a play that talks about racism, um, mm-hmm. and which is you know quite a subject for this year here, especially in America, where we've been you know finally kind of deal- talking more about uh, racist uh, issues and yeah, it's coming to the forefront finally forefront, after especially many like, many decades. You know, the, or white person, like how how do we deal, how we feel about privileges and what's what's our responsibility and what do we do. But anyway, as I was watching this play, um, it was very, it was a great play. Um, the director, uh, Bernard Cummings, is a friend of mine, fantastic uh, director and teacher. And the, he, the first rehearsal, he was like, all right, guys, I want you to be clear. I want to be like, to be as honest. This is going to be intense. And I want you to share with me all the kind of experience you went through in your life uh, that was dealing with racism. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we all built that play, and it was it was really intense. And I played this, you know, this teacher that is like the teachers. I think, oh, I'm I'm a good guy. I I I do well. I, but he's not really taking any position or really um, acting on it. And uh, but after I did the play, my parent my parents from Switzerland came to see the play, and we went to see Memphis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the musical and i just remember like because of all these uh weeks of rehearsal and performances when i saw and i you know and it talks about racism and i you see like injustice happen i was like my whole body was like i j- i just started crying um and i was even feeling like kind of a little uh weird next to my dad but it was just right. like i couldn't just overcome with emotion yeah you just the reality really sets sets in. Yeah, um, but um, so yeah, theater. The the beauty about theater is is also you can you can transport it anywhere. Um, I got the chance uh, through Stella Adler um, because their their mentality and their their belief is that uh, growth as a hu- human being is synonymous as uh, growth growth as an artist that we have all the responsibility to uh, to use our life, uh, our craft, also for the betterment of, um, of our community um, around us. And so they have a, a very important outreach program where they help uh, youth uh, that are under, uh, you know, that are having a financial issues to, to, to pursue acting programs. And right. uh, so there's and not that, a barrier for them. Exactly. And so I worked with those youth uh, for a couple of years and then uh, a couple of years um, ago, then started doing um, acting workshops in jail uh, for mm-hmm. at, uh, Rikers Island in New York City. That's and, a serious prison right there. Which is quite a, yeah, a, a famous prison, but not, not the way. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you can be a a good way of being a famous prison. <laughs> it's, it's renowned for being a very hard-lined, I believe, prison from what I, from yeah. what I recall. I think, you know, hopefully, like, but yeah, in, in the U.S., it's kind of, it's, it's scary. It's really sad. This yeah. So just to catch up, just to catch up with a few thoughts that I had mm-hmm. from earlier, sorry to cut you off. Um, so, yeah, you were mentioning how, like, when you're, when you're watching theater live, it's a little bit different than watching sort of maybe even the movie version of it or, or mm-hmm. whatnot. What I equated it to, because I'm not as well-versed in, in the world of theater or even cinema, uh, mm-hmm. I guess you're live, 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 uh, live movies, whatever, is I was saying that it's kind of the difference for me is when you go watch a sports team live in the arena as opposed to watching something on TV. It's You don't really, you may enjoy it, but you may not feel that same electricity that you would feel. It's kind of almost like it's something that's live and it's, it's happening right in front of you and it's deconstructing and constructing and, and flowing and ebbing. And it's kind of has that sort of a live feeling and so that's that's sort of like the, the 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 lightning energy that is flowing through you i assume doing like a live theater show both as an actor and probably also as a as a an audience member when you're sort of in that in that moment where anything could go wrong and yeah. it's all pretty much 100 percent live you're you're part of it that's the thing when you watch a show you're not passive yeah um and i feel like when you watch a movie or a tv show at home in a way you can be a little passive and just watch yeah. it and and think you know Okay, I'm just watching these people having this experience on TV. Obviously, if there are certain uh, topics that that are close to you or whatever you're dealing with, it's going to affect mm-hmm. you. But it's not the same 
when you you know you're watching your your sport live like let's say you're watching a, a tennis game and suddenly you make like you sneeze it it can really <laughs> disturb your player yeah. that you who wants the player that you're encouraging so i yeah. mean there's all that kind of element and uh, oh, yeah. you know and then so i love also in in the theater sometimes when you have an actor who's who break the the fourth wall the fourth wall mm -hmm. this idea between the the wall between the audience and and the performer um and sometimes mm -hmm. you know you have situation where like you know a phone ring or something and then a performer has this choice to to decide what to do with it will you know will he acknowledge what happened and and make a joke of it or make, make it part of the part of the show or continue with the the show so these are elements also that that kind of happen and yeah. with theater as well every day is is different you know you even though you perform a play for for weeks um every day you're learning something different you're coming from a different place in your life Um, and I think you'd also be feeding off the different vibes that the audience is sending out as well. Totally. If, they're, if they're overall more somber or more, you know, that you can kind of feed off that and, and that sort of reflects in how your performance is, I would yeah. imagine. And and often is not when the, perf you know, I've had my, my latest play, uh, it's been actually a couple, couple of years. Um, I did Closer um, from uh, Patrick, Mar Patrick Marber, I think, if I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken, his name. Who's a great playwright, and um, and and they made a movie out of it, which is quite famous. Also with uh, Natalie Portman, Jude Law, um, Clyde. Oh, I've seen that one. Yes. And so there's it's written. It's very witty. Uh, it talks about relationships, um, sex, love, all that, um, betrayal. And but there's a lot of like funny lines and it's and it can be it can be very funny too. But some days, you know, you would the audience can be like quiet and silent and you're like, what's happening? Are they sleeping? Are they are they bored? And then you get yeah. out of the you, you come back after after the performance and they they're you can see in their face that they've, you know, really felt something or it really moved them or really um and that they, they were awestruck yeah and sometimes you know they can be laughing and and being so alive but and they and they might feel the same way or different you know you you just never know um yeah. thing about theater i feel and it's same also when you do a performance is like you you have to give it all and and not expect anything in return and as as a performer you just you just trying your best to um you know, to, um, to fight for your character, to, uh, to, to tell the story that the playwright is, is, has written. And, um, and as you do that, then you, you hope, um, that somehow it will affect somebody and it will maybe help them in their lives. And, right. um, and it does, because I think, you know, the more I've been, I've been acting and, and following, um, this passion, um, the more I understand how storytelling is, is so present and important in, uh, in human lives. Um, we all tell ourselves stories about our life to allow ourselves to wake up in the morning, to do whatever we have to do, whatever we want to do or achieve. And so all those elements, um, and that's why, you know, uh, So storytelling can be so powerful to children, to adults, to kind of just teach people um, 
values, to, um, to tell them about others, to bring more empathy to the world and more understanding of, of each other. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a very powerful tool. For sure. And to and to bring it back to what you mentioned earlier, uh, if you guys wanted to make a donation to the Adler Youth Program, you go to stellaadler.com, find the Adler Youth button, and then the there's a donation button Outreach there. Program, correct. So yeah, if you want if you want to do that, program. that's available to you. Look that one up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also you mentioned the the fourth wall. I think a lot of people probably in in popular culture will be have become familiarized with it probably through Deadpool, who who's been. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> who's been masterful at, at in, very, very intentionally and often breaking that fourth wall and, and uh, sort of communicating with the audience in that way. Yeah, there's a bunch of shows that have been uh, breaking the fourth wall. Um, I've been watching actually recently uh, with my wife, Sex in the City, um, mm-hmm. and the first episode, um, they're breaking the fourth wall. And it's, it, it's, it's, sometimes it's, some people don't like it. It can be disturbing. And at the same time, it, it can be also a lot of fun. Um, the same way as you know when you go and see a a comedian you you're like you know you're kind of scared if they're gonna spot you and start like making jokes with you but at the the time it can also be a lot of fun too the audience work is actually i know some comedians i mean not that i know them but i know of some comedians who pretty much primarily just do crowd work and then everyone has such Mm, a fun time feel like it's it's like very improvised and like they're not he's not like staging it with a bunch of people and talking about their outfits or their heights or their whatever's mm-hmm. going on the size of their noses whatever they're mm-hmm. they're picking at but it just i feel like it's very sort of impromptu on the spot that's kind of i guess where your improv skills would would um be true be shining in that way true i mean improv skills you use them um you do a lot of time when you know when a scene is not working and then suddenly you start all right let's just improvise let's let's just use our own words um Mm -hmm. and um and it's also a lot of fun uh for adults or for kids um just to just to play and i think that's that's the element also sometimes you know acting is like I think for me, uh, and I've I've taught it uh, a little bit at um, a youth summer camp. It's it's a fine line because for me, it's it's something also very that I respect so much, and that um that is so that ha- that is such a tool to for me to expand myself to live my life to the to the fullest, and I think it can be so powerful for for a lot of people um, to just kind of take risk and and embrace all the elements of their personality and understanding empathy and all that. But it's also at the end of the day, it's playfulness. It's a game It's like you, you're, you're, you're being somebody else. And it's, mm-hmm. and, and so that element of like playfulness is very important to, to, to foster. Um, and I think even more when we, you're growing up and getting older, um, it's easy to just kind of start becoming just, results uh or losing your uh, imagination to creative yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. i was gonna say um you you mentioned at near the beginning that you your first passion was sort of martial arts and i was wondering if you've ever been able to use martial arts in any of your acting roles um yeah yeah i have uh and actually i i got my uh i got a black eye uh with it it was kind of funny so yeah i have uh helped some some um uh, shows that I worked on as an actor uh, for stage combat and stage mm-hmm. fighting, um, as well. Sorry, as well on, on 
on short films and, and, and movies as well that I worked on. But um, there was this, uh, this famous play, um, we call it um, the Scottish play. Um, but we can say Macbeth here because we're not in a theater, but it's a it's, uh, famous uh, Shakespeare play. And I, we were, I was uh, playing Macbeth um, in south of France, and um, we, there was this big fight at the end. And so we choreographed that whole thing. We worked on it. And um, my, the other actor um, who was fighting me, at some point, uh, it was pretty hilarious, but he couldn't find his, um, it was the, it was the, um, it was an opening night. It was the preview. And mm -hmm. so he couldn't find his knife and he ended up taking a, a hanger, right? And he folded it and he started attacking me with this hanger. <laughs> so at first, you know, it's pretty dark on stage too. So it was like, what is happening? And I just, it just felt odd and, and <laughs> off. And at some point, he just clocked me with a with a right hook, oh. uh, just on my on my left eye, and uh, it it didn't hurt. But then the next day, I had a black eye, and that was opening night. And so, luckily for me, um, we had a great makeup artist, and she uh, she was able to play with it, and so I didn't look like I was already beaten up uh, before the <laughs> in advance, beaten up in advance. <laughs> And it was his first punch. He had never punched somebody in, in his life, which was kind of funny. Um, so, yeah, stuff like that happened. Um, but, um, no, I've had the chance. And it's really interesting also with martial arts when you – because stage combat and um, fights in, in plays or in movies are telling stories. And so through all the techniques that you know, whether it includes weapons or whatever – um, it's also fascination about what can you tell about this character in the way he moves, in the way he fights. Um, mm -hmm. Everybody has a different way. Some people are more aggressive. Some people are more, you know, respectful and dignified. Some people are just, and so there's very a lot of different things. And then circumstances can take you in a situation where someone very, you know, playing by the book end up losing it and being outraged and fighting like like a beast with, you know, um, so all that stuff is I I really enjoy as well, kind of like uh, shaping, uh, you know, a, a fight uh, on theater um, or in in a movie. Of obviously they're very different in terms of angles and mm -hmm. capable of doing because like with the camera you can you can cheat a lot of things, um, but yeah, it's it's. It's been fun. I've been able to do that, and I, I enjoy whenever I get the chance to to do uh, something that combines those uh, those two passions. And then also, what's what's been interesting? You mentioned that you can kind of get to know the the, the person through fighting. I think I don't know, remember if it was a Jackie Chan movie and or one of the scenes from The Matrix. I remember, but uh, there was there were scenes where basically somebody needed to fight someone else, not really in a in an angry way, but they just that they had to do that sort of fight so that they could better understand who the person is. Totally. And I think it's an ancient sort of cultural thing where mm -hmm. it's like you can really understand who the person is that you're fighting by the way that they fight, by the way that they. Um, you know, carry themselves in that way. So I think there is some truth to that for sure. Yeah, it's very primal. So, you know, as uh, and that's what is interesting also because theater and, and, and acting now is all about what is not said. So you have your lines, but a lot of the time when you watch a show, it's like, okay, he says this, but what does he mean behind it? And, mm -hmm. and that's what is a lot of time um, 
um, what is a lot of the time fascinating is when you see an actor and you you, you don't know what is happening or it, it keeps you on your toes and you're like, what's going to be next? Oh, is he really feeling that or that? And I think um, with with fighting in a way, because it's such primal and survival, sometimes you can't you can't hide, you can't play too much. Um, uh, and so for that, that's for sure like a difference. But yeah. So I have, I have a question for you. It's kind of a two-part question. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, as I'm looking, as I'm perusing your IMDb currently, mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted I wanted you to maybe tell us, uh, tell the audience, the, the fine listeners at home, uh, maybe what your first project was or your first, what you considered to be your first major project, whether that's film or, or theater, as well as which one may have been your favorite, if you're willing to share that with us. And for, it could be for any reason that it has become your favorite, maybe the most memorable, most difficult, what, however you want to quantify that. Yeah, um, I think for me, um, okay, my first project, my fr- very, very first project was um, was a short film with um, a really sweet, talented uh, Japanese director. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I played, it was in black and white, it was a silent film, um, and it was, I, it was based on the... Um, the famous uh, biblical story of Judith, who um, um, I can't remember now. It's uh, exactly who there was a war happening, and she gave herself to the to the general of the other army. Uh, and as she gave her body to him, she cut his throat, and they won. Mm. And her um, yeah. her uh, uh, her community, her nation, uh, whatever, won the fight. Um, so we had to, the poor, uh, poor director, um, didn't have a great English. Um, and, uh, he was directing us and a little bit uncomfortable with this sex scene where she's cutting my throat. Um, but me and the, and the actress, we, we figured that out and we actually became really good friends. Um, and it was, it was a lot of fun, but this project also was, you know, that's what is really hard sometimes as an actor um, and theater for that is a bit different because theater, what is great about it is that you you have a community, you know. I mean, there's a lot of like before you get your, you know, you, you get your, your crew, your team, your, your funding so that you're able to uh, get your rehearsal space and your, your stage wherever you're going to perform. But once you're once you start, you're there and you see each other three, four times a week, depending on the situation and you perform in the weekends. And so you really feel like an actor and you really feel like a sense of community with uh, film and TV. It's all very fast. You know, uh, my first um, TV show that I did uh, was uh, uh, Modern Family here in mm-hmm. LA. And it was the quickest job I've ever done. Like I got mm-hmm. there at 6 a.m., we shot my scenes at 8 a.m. and at 8:20, I was like, "Thank you, goodbye," you know. <laughs> um, so, and it was like, "All right, we do five, three, four, five takes." Okay, got it. Thank you. Um, but anyway, with that short film, it was interesting because what was it called, by the way? It was called uh, Judith. Oh, okay, it was called Judith. Oh, yeah, I see. It. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, and so he disappeared after like, so I, you know, usually I would say about a short film, you, you hope that the director will have it edited and like a first cut or something in the next four or five, six months. 
And so, mm-hmm. you, you're, you know, I was in school taking classes and I'm waiting and I'm emailing a couple of times and I'm not hearing anything from him. And so often, you know, I joke about that with some actor friends. It's like sometimes, you know, like we're so desperate just to kind of be able to act that, you know, sometimes the, the, the audition, the casting could say, here is a student film. You won't be paid. You will never get your footage. Will you? You are gonna work twelve hours a day. Yeah. Uh, do you want to work for us? You know, and a lot of time, like sometimes actors get involved in those projects just because they they're just hungry to act, and and so a lot of the time, sadly, actors end up doing a bunch of uh, films and short films and stuff that they end up never having the footage, or if they get the footage, it's not good enough or stuff like that. But yeah. um, a year or so pass and then suddenly i get an email from him and he ended up having a very um a very serious disease and had Uh to go back to japan and was hospitalized for a while and ended up coming back and being healthy and all that and then sent his short film to hundreds of film festivals like really like you know like doing his job like full on you know and it's a lot of work bringing uh, movies to film festivals and all that kind of stuff and a a lot of money as well long story short i was able to use that project when i was applying for my artist visa in uh, in the u.s because as a foreigner that's something else i had to kind of also uh, uh, battle with was proving that i deserve to stay in this country and so Mm -hmm. i had to prove to the immigration uh, who has no idea really about acting and just kind of like follows the trend about, okay, how many followers you have? Do you, are you on this magazine or this and that to show them, oh, I've done projects that have uh, got awards and I've, that are important and well-received by my peers. So that was my first project. And there was uh, Takahisa Shiraishi, right? Shiraishi, about, yeah. I, I didn't want to butcher his name. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate Takahisa it. Shiraishi. Yeah. Uh, my and by the way, that episode of Modern Family you speak of is called The Day Alex Left for College, I believe, and it got a 7.8 on IMDb. So that's okay. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I ended up uh, playing a, a Frenchman dressed up uh, in uh, white tennis uh, outwear, uh, you know, yeah. Where, and yeah, it was fun. It was a very fun scene and good people to work with. Um, um, so the second part of the question, sorry, was which one do you think uh, out of all these projects was your favorite and maybe tell us why that was. I mean, it's hard because you've done a, a lot of stuff I can see here. I but... think my favorite project is uh, teaching acting in jail in a mm-hmm. way, I have to say, because it's the one thing that I feel like if I die today or tomorrow, I feel like I've done something um, at least or I've helped in some way in my life has served some some people maybe um you know we we're able to it's just um a lot of time it's sad like especially here in the u.s people end up being incarcerated in so many situations and you know like with the fires that has been going on lately here in california the sad situation um a lot of the firemen that were uh, volunteering being helped were some of them were trained in in prison and would oh. come and help, but because of COVID, they couldn't get out of the prison, and so they ended up having less firemen and having much more fire happening. But the sad truth is that someone who's been trained as a fireman and worked uh, was incarcerated. If he comes out of prison, 
he won't get a possibility or a chance to to work as a fireman afterwards because of what he has because of his um you know of his uh because of being in prison and so um yeah just working with i work with both with women and men and it's just it was such a beautiful and powerful moment to just find a way to find that you you you're just getting rid of those those walls and those mm-hmm. um and you're just able to see and they um you know they have so much humanity and they're um we wrote uh, little, uh short plays um with some of them um and then performed them for them um we did a show also with others where including uh improvisation and including different um you know sonnets or like even shakespeare mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just um you can see how much it's it's important and needed to to bring some humanity um and i really believe like people do make mistakes and some of them you know are there for years just because they can't bail them themselves out or there's so many different situations and a lot of time when we do those workshops we don't know you know what they did and we don't go into that about why they're in jail uh, or in prison but um but it's just been really beautiful to to work with um to work in those circumstances and see how powerful um and how much um we can we can bring to people in need through through theater and a lot of them some of them are scared you know like they're like this it's volunteer so they sign up for it um and obviously they've been they must have been some kind of good standards um but um my mentor uh, Tommy Demenkoff who's uh who was leading the the outreach program at the time I was involved with it now he's um he's in uh, in New York uh, City dealing more with uh with the legal stuff with the the state uh department and trying to you know bring more um more education more uh art also a uh, program and stuff in in prison and in jail um he's he goes also and do work with um people um prisoners that are in solitary confinement um, mm. and so you know it, it's just um it, it's just very powerful and beautiful when you see someone opening up someone sharing whether it's their um their hope their their love their their suffering and um it just you have this energy you know it's just this energy that just wakes and warms everybody and and just makes you want to be makes you want to connect makes you want to share makes you want to be part of um and you know the this and there's also this element of ensemble um we also really talk about ensemble and theater and when you have this element of ensemble on an ensemble like all in unison it's like the same as a choral you know if you listen to a, mm, a choir yeah. of voices all those voices bringing their uniqueness and their um and adding to each other it's just like it can just shout it just cleans your whole body you know it right. it just i don't know it's a purification you yeah. could say mm-hmm. 
so that was I think that was really cool that you had you had uh, a hand in definitely uh, giving these these um, people who are in this unfortunate situation rehabilitation uh, opportunities and just like they would if they were learning learning a trade in prison learning learning the yeah. skills of acting could open up so many doors on the other side so it, it gives them sort of you know uh, more more of a it gives more options in life their, it gives them back their humanity you know exactly exactly it's, um, and I think you know it's one thing of punishing. But you have to, the goal, I think any, you know, punishment, the goal should be that the person can rehabilitate and come yes. back to society and rather than just be, ideally, ideally rather than being put there and becoming a, a huge, you know, business and simply, yeah. uh, just keep keeping them there, you know? Yeah. That's why I'm kind of happy that we don't have private prisons in Canada. It's a, yeah. It gets a, a bit of a messy situation, but we won't we'll, we won't discuss that. It's a whole bag of worms we won't talk about. There's but I just quickly looked up that uh, apparently they're going to be closing Rikers Island down in 2026. Correct. And so hopefully yeah. they'll, they'll be moving people to a more uh, a better, uh, humanitarian, like, humanistic, yeah. better sort of facilities, maybe yeah. a little bit more focused on on the positives rather yeah, than negative a lot of the health issues over there and, and let's quickly jump back to uh to acting if you want to give us a little bit of information of, of a behind the scenes of what goes on uh and also maybe what, what i thought is that since you moved from new york to la how has your acting uh sort of career been changed or, or altered yeah um i think in la it's definitely you can feel like is the city is is all focused about uh movie making and um entertainment i mean there's also a big uh element of like music industry and uh also part of la and a lot of stuff come from starts in la and end up going to to the east coast and new york and and other places but um i think for me in la it definitely felt like i was more part of the big pond in a way and so it was it was very um oh, small fish big sea yeah thing. it felt um it felt a bit overwhelming at time and but i wanted to focus more on film and tv and um and i had some great opportunities um doing a couple commercials and working with some um some movie stars and and directors that i admire um and uh and working on a, lately a film that is going through the festival um circuit uh which is called show me what you got uh, oh yeah, played by Svetlana Svetko, and so we've been doing uh, Q and A's actually like last week for a couple of uh, film festivals on on uh, on Zoom, and has been receiving has been received well. Uh, got a few awards, and right now we're just hoping that um, we can get distribution. And um, but that's the that's the you know the the tough thing about making movies is like you you get a bunch of people that are uh, dreamers and are like okay this is a project i want to do i trust you with you know you're going to be there and you're going to do your 100 percent and and put all your heart in it and everybody's going to put all their heart in it and out of all this work and sweat um hopefully something will come out of it um whether it's just being proud that we did it and that we we had a great experience all together Mm -hmm. that there will be some kind of success and return um, well based on this cover art it looks like you guys won at least nine awards for that for that show me what you got film so hopefully it does get picked up yeah yeah um, and then apparently based on uh something you're doing some post-production did you do a, a voice for an animated f uh, feature or yeah um 
I did um, when I was in New York. I did a little more uh, voiceover than uh, than I've done here in LA. Um, but I did a bunch of like uh, dubbing for um, um, animation films in French. Um, uh-huh. Also, um, a, a bit like a commercial for a Clash of Clans. Um, right. I did the the French voice of of one of the characters, and and then one was for this movie Jutopia, where I ended up like dubbing a, a couple voices in French as well. And yeah, voiceover is a is a lot of fun too. Um, just to kind of focus just on your voice and and what you're able to do with it. And yeah, it must be tougher because that's you have to bring your entire character out with just voice. And it's, mm. I mean, you get to see sort of the picture, I guess, in front of you, but. It, you, I, I don't know. You must feel like you kind of have to make or break it with just yeah. your intonation and things. It's a lot about uh, who's directing the studio as well. They like that that work between you know the voice actor and and them. They're able to really like. It's pretty impressive if they they know how to direct you and how to they can just find a way to, to match it and get the the right intensity and the right energy um, to to match the um, the picture. Yeah. Right. So even so, even when you're doing voice acting, there there is still a lot of direction going on. They don't kind of sort of leave people. It depends. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they would give um, you some notes, but yeah, it depends. Um, some usually you bring you, you do your stuff, and then they will you know if they feel something is missing or needs to go faster, um, they'll just kind of direct you and all that. But um, but a lot of it is uh, is just kind of like trying and failing and finding the the right stuff. Um, but there is definitely some direction going on, um, for sure. Yeah. I feel like we barely uh, hit the tip of the iceberg, but we're, <laughs> we're definitely a bit over our, our time. And I didn't want to. I know you're you're a busy guy, so I don't want to take up any more of your time. But uh, I just I was just gonna say. Um, I need to now go back and watch the Last King of Scotland again and try. Well, to you'll never find me. Bathroom. You'll no. never, you know, I saw myself, uh, I, I remember watching it on, on the big screen in Switzerland with a friend mm-hmm. and I was like, there I was. And it's just like, like a, a glimpse, a momentary glimpse. glimpse. basically when he's invited into the, the capital, um, I can't remember his name, but a fantastic, uh, Scottish actor. Oh yeah, I was just talking about him earlier. Yeah. Um. Oh, now I I blank. I got it in a sec. Don't worry. Hold on. But um. <laughs> anyway, you see the camera shows you what he sees in the, in the street, and so you yeah. it just go really fast, and you see people. James walking. McAvoy. James McAvoy. Yeah, and you mm-hmm. see people walking, and and then at some point, um, it ends up with a big building, and I'm right there in the corner, like a tiny little little thing on screen. Um. So yeah, that was that was the first time I saw myself. I'm maybe sure. maybe the maybe the casting director thought that you were uh, you were Scottish because of your red hair. Maybe that was it. Yeah. He just pulled you right yeah. in. That's possible. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I just wanted to say thanks so much. Uh, it was great catching up and hearing this uh, this, this stuff from you. I think I our audience at home will will have gained a lot of appreciation for uh, theater and acting and and understood your your personal story a little bit. If you ever want to come by and do a part two, we can go more in depth into any specific topic you're interested in. But yeah, cool. uh, thanks so much for, for joining us today. Thank you, Kayvon. It was great talking with you. Uh, yeah, well, hopefully we'll chat more uh, after we end recording. Um, so I'm going to play us out with a song uh, by Beirut. It's called Postcards from Italy. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Kayvon and Friends. Thank you. Uh-huh.